Well, this morning, we're going to talk about constitution and law and continue with the kingdom of God. We're going to go through some definition and uh, hopefully we're going to answer some questions whether God's law is applicable for us today. Some of you must be asking. But before that, I'm going to ask you some trivial questions. Now, I think most of you are born here. You raised here. You are American citizen. So this question probably easy for all of you. So let me ask you questions. How many U.S. senators are there? Good, good. See? Good. Your pass. 102 in every state. How the house has the how has how many voting members? Whoa. You can vote now. How many amendments does the constitution have? How many amendments does the Constitution have? Nope. Oh boy. We need to go back. Revoke your citizenship. 27. Under the Constitution, some power belongs to the federal government. What is the power of the federal government? So what does the federal government do? Spend money. Yes. <laughs> it seems like you spend money, yes. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. No. Nope. This is what the federal government do. To print money, to declare war, to create an army, to make treaties. That's the federal government. What is the rule of the law? You know, that's the rule of the law. So what is the rule of the law? It is a proven guilty. <laughs> no. The rule of the law is everyone must follow the law. Leaders must obey the law. Government must obey the law. No one is above the law. Do you know that, if you know that, that is why America is called Federal Republic? Not Democratic or Republican, it's Federal Republic. And one of the reasons because it's this. Now what this country is ruled by the law. That's interesting. So let's go through this. And hopefully, I will give some definition, clarification, and then we will go to, does God's law apply to our life today? So, 
What is constitution in general? Do you have that? I think they have it. Constitution, a body of fundamental principle or established precedent according to which a state or other organization is acknowledged to be governed. Basically, what it means that constitution spell out the country by who, when, where, how, and why. It also spell out the how not, when not, where not, why not, and who does not. In this sense, the constitution in, is how the country functions and operates all in one document. Now, if you've never been to Washington, D.C., I encourage you to go there. There's a lot of history. And um, if you love history, I know Pastor Kerr's family went down there. Um, it's amazing. If you've never been there, I, I, I always love to go to Washington, D.C., go to different uh, exhibits and um, just read the founding father, how this nation is built and founded. So what is the purpose of constitution? The purpose of constitution is to give its citizen the power to be prosperous within the country. It also explains the right that a citizen can exercise to proclaim the benefit of their country. In other words, without a constitution, it will generally mean everyone can do what he wants to do without any regulation, coordination, or cooperation. The constitution also tells you who makes the law, who interprets the law, and who makes sure the laws are adhered to, and how it should be done. So what is law in general? Law is the system of rules that a particular country or community recognizes as regulating the, the actions of its member and may enforce by the imposition of penalties. Basically, the law is a set of rules that people are made to follow the state. So law in, gener in generic sense is a body of rules of action or conduct prescribed by controlling authority and having binding legal force. So I wrote this down. Law is an instrument that guarantees our freedom. And with freedom comes responsibility and accountability. So what is the purpose and function of law? Fourth purpose. Establishing standards. The law is a guidepost of minimally acceptable behavior in society. So the law has, law has a standard. This is how you behave. Number two, the purpose of law is maintaining order. The law, when enforced, provides order consistent with society guidelines. So second, the law maintains order. Thank God we have law. Without law, we are chaos. Third thing, resolving dispute. So the law provides a formal means for resolving dispute, the court system. And the last thing is protecting liberties and rights. The purpose, the purpose and function of the law is to protect those various liberties and rights from violation or unreasonable intrusion by person, organization, or government. Let me put a postscript here. You know, we talk about freedom of speech. And basically, people will say, you can say whatever you want. Freedom of speech not to say whatever you want, 
is to speak what you ought to say. It's not what you want to say. You see, the speech is supposed to build up people, not to tear people down. See, we miss that. It's to give life, not death. And I think until people understand that, we will always have conflict. So let's go specific. What is the kingdom constitution? It's the covenant of a king with his citizenry and express the mind and the will of the king for his citizen and the kingdom. The constitution is the documented words of the king. So everything the king's word is comprised in one document called constitution. So what is the kingdom law? Kingdom law constitutes the standards and principles established by the king himself, by which his kingdom will function and be administrated. The laws of the kingdom are to be obeyed by all, including foreigners residing in it. The laws of the kingdom are the way by which one is guaranteed access to the benefits of the king and the kingdom. The, law is in, the laws in the kingdom cannot be changed by the citizen, nor are they subject to a citizen re- referendum or debate. Simply put, the word of the king is law in his kingdom. Meaning, rebellion against the law is rebellion against the king. Do you understand? The kingdom of God, the kingdom law. If you rebel against the law, you rebel against the king. As a believer, the the kingdom constitution is expressed in the word of God. And in it is all the law are documented. This is our constitution. And in it, it is the law. So we are not governed by the letter of the law, the Bible said, but by the spirit of the law. And God has written it in your heart. So God's form of government is called theocracy. Theos means God, cracy means rule. God's rule. In Genesis 17, 7 said, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is an everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Isaiah wrote, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Do you know that American government system is built on this word? The law is our judge, it's the judicial. The law is our lawgiver, it's the legislative. The law is our king, it's executive. That's why he built. The founding father get their system from this scripture. So let's see. 
But there is a change from a theocracy rulership where God's rule to a monarchy system where human rule. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, I want to see this change. It's on, on, on the screen. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his son to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, the, his oldest son, held cause in Bathsheba, but they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money, they accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they said to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. That is where the transition for theocracy, God's rule, becomes human rulership, monarchy. It never intended for that. God in the beginning intended that we are ruled by Him and Him alone. That He is the judge, He is the lawgiver, and He is the king. But the people said, no, no, we want king like the other nation. Give us a human king. So what happened in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 5, it's not there, but I'm going to read to you. This is what Solomon said, Obey the king, talking human king, since you vowed to God that you would. Remember? We want a king. Now I say they reject God. They want a human king. They say, Obey the king since you vowed to God that you would. Don't try to avoid your duty and don't stand with those who plot evil. For the king, human king, can do whatever he wants. Some of you here, if you don't subject yourself to the kingdom God rules in your life, you either subject to someone else's kingship or your own kingship. But there's a problem. Because God is perfect and God is cool and God is good and God is judge. When you transfer that rulership to human, they are flawed. And that's what happened. That is not God's plan. God's plan, He wants to rule you. And it's just. So God's God rulership, God's government, God's constitution, God's law is superior. And anything that established after that is inferior. That's why we don't have a perfect document. We don't have perfect constitution. We do not have perfect laws. It's always flawed. That's why every year we keep what? Adding more laws to laws to laws. And we have like thousands and thousands of laws. And none of us even can understand any one of them. You know, let me tell you, if all of us are ruled by Ten Commandments, just the law, the Ten Commandments, which God has given to Moses, we have 
a peaceful society. Just 10. We don't, have 20, we don't need 27. We don't need a few hundred. Just 10. When 1960, when they took the Ten Commandments out in school, what they're telling, exactly what the nation is saying, we reject God. Because now, instead of God became the rulership, we become the rulership. And you and I know, you make, you make a bad king. <laughs> now, if you said, I'm good, ask your spouse. <laughs> ask them how good you are as a king. Let's go through some meaning and something. The meaning and the term law. In the Old Testament, the word law is used to translate the word Hebrew Torah. You know the word Torah? Torah means direction, guidance, instruction. That's what Torah means. We know the five books, but it's what I mean. So anytime you, the word laws, the word synonym, the word law, there's a synonym. Commandment, ordinance, statute, precept, decree, they're all synonym with the word laws. In the New Testament, the Greek word used for law is nomos. Nomos means that which is a sign, hence usage, custom, and then law or rule governing one action. So the use of the term law in the New Testament, when you read New Testament, the word law come out, it can be either the entire Old Testament or the first five books of the Old Testament, or the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, writing of the prophet, a law is used as guiding and governing principle. So when you read the book, the word law in the New Testament, it could be any one of them. Are we clear? Okay? Now I said, when I said the, New, the New Testament church doesn't have New Testament. We have the New Testament. So when you read the law, this is what it means. So the question is, do the biblical law applies to us today? Or do the Creator God establish them only to wipe them out on the cross, only to promise the restoration during Christ's millennial rule? Or is there a larger meaning to the whole subject of the law of God, one that bears witness to the plan of God? So what does the writer of the Bible say about God's law? Psalm 197 said, The law of God is perfect. I have set my heart on your law. Psalm 119 said, 163 said, I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Psalm 1977 said, Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Psalm 1972 said, the law of your word, of your mouth, is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Now you might say, Pastor John, that is in Old Testament. We don't follow Old Testament anymore. Okay, let's look at the New Testament. Romans seven twelve. So the law is holy, the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Romans 7.22 For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. 1 Timothy 1.8.10 Now we know the law is 
good. So you say, but Pastor John, we no longer under the law. We under grace. God's law doesn't apply to us today. But Paul said the law is good. He said the law is holy. So how do you reconcile it? If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 20. Matthew 5. Matthew 5 says this, Jesus said, Don't mis- misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. No, I have come to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest details of what? Hold on. Verse 17, it says that the law of Moses and writing the prophet and God said, it's God's law. It's not Moses' law. It's not prophet law. It's God's law. Will disappear until the purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the, sure, the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of God. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never ever enter the kingdom of heaven. So I means that God said there is a law Moses established. And he said that I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And then at the end, he said, look, you think by obeying the law of Moses that you, be, you will receive salvation? He said, no, I want you to sur- surpass that law. Whoa, a minute. Because God is setting us up. Do you understand that he's setting us up? Because, you understand, if you are a person that loves to obey the law, you go right to down the detail. And God said, I want you to go beyond even the law that be described by Moses. And they're like, wait a minute, even the Pharisees couldn't keep the law. And you ask us as ordinary people to keep the law, say, that's impossible. I say, God, that's why God's tried to set you up for. Because you can't do it. So turn to me to Galatians chapter 3. Let's have some answer here. I ask you again, verse 5, Galatians 3, verse 5, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What more? The scripture looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentile right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago and when he said, All nations will be blessed through you, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Verse 10, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under His curse. 
For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not obey, observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can make, be made right with God by, keeping, by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, It is through faith that a righteous person has life. Okay, let me give you what I mean. What I mean is that you don't earn your salvation by keeping the law. But I said, wait a minute. Remember Moses, Abraham, and all Old Testament prophets and people? Do they get saved by keeping the law? And God said, no. Now I say, in the Old Testament prophet people, look forward to the cross. They look in the future for the promise that God will die for them and die for their sin. So God said, Abraham's salvation is based on the faith of looking forward of what God is going to do. So we as the New Testament people is looking backward of what God has already done. It's the same faith that Abraham has. It's the same faith that we have. We look at what Jesus had done on the cross. So Abraham's salvation is not based on obedience, but on the faith of what God is, is, is about to do. We do not base our salvation on the obedience of the law, but on what God already done on the cross. Okay? So, then you ask to ask question. Then Pastor John, you just sit just down. The law of God is good. You just said the law is perfect. And now you just said to me, hey, we don't need to obey the law. We just put our, our faith in God alone. Let's continue our reading. Because I know Paul, Paul knows what you're thinking. So verse 19 says what? Why then the law was given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Why law is given? To show your imperfection. Remember Jesus set up in Matthew 5? Right? He said, Come to, he said, your, your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees because he said, You cannot earn your way. And so the law is to point your fault and your flaw. So let's continue. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promise? Faith in Christ? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scripture declares that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Let me put it another way. The law was our guidance until Christ came. It protects us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now the faith, the way of faith have come. We no longer need the law as our guardian. So what the law does, in other words, said the law points you to the Savior. You cannot save by the law, but it points you to the Savior. And now God, because instead of the law being your measuring rod, Jesus becomes your measuring rod. That is why God said your righteous has to surpass the Pharisee. Because he said you have to be perfect. Not meeting certain requirements. Perfection. And that's why you said, my goodness, no one can be perfect. God said you are right. Yeah. 
That's why the Lord said, look at someone who is perfect. And all you need to put your trust in Him. Romans chapter 7, turn with me. Begin at verse 7, Romans 7. Well then, verse 7, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would not have known that coveting is wrong if the law has not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desire within me. If there were no law, sin would not have the power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's command, which was supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the command to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy, right and good. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So, we can now see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's commands for its own evil purposes. So, the trouble is not with the law. For it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with For I am too human to slave to sin. So the problem, God said, is not the law. The problem is you. So don't blame the law for it. So what are you trying to say, Pastor Juan? I've enlisted my volunteer. Where my volunteer? Right here. Come on. Sarah, where are you? Oh, come here. Morgan, stand on the right here for the, Yeah, good. Thank you. Jonathan, and Tanya here. Right here, beside. Morgan, Charity, you're here beside. Sarah, right here. I can only bring teenager, that's all. <laughs> okay, let's see this. Let's, let's try to bring everything together, okay? You help me. Sarah? Mm-hmm. Let's Sarah say he's, she represents Sin. Oh, Sarah. So, charity, law. Morgan, grace. <laughs> so. Nathaniel, Savior. So? Is the transgression of the... Is the transgression of the... Whoever hate... Uphold the... Whoever fight the... Upholder 
is the pardon for for breaking the law. It's pardon for sin for breaking the Savior died so that we might receive grace. for pardon the yes. for breaking the die so that we might receive grace. for pardon yes. which breaking so we have a problem in church said Pastor John we don't need the law it's done with so if so, say let's take the law out so Charity can go sit. <laughs> so, the Bible says, if there is no, there is then there is no, if there is no law, there is no, if there is no sin, you don't need. If you don't, if you, there is no law, then there is no sin. If there is no sin, you don't need, if you don't need grace, you don't need. That's why is it. The law of God is the what? The grace of God is the how. God's law tells us what He desires holiness. Only God's grace can provide such holiness in our life. God's law tells us what He wants, Christ-like love. Only God's grace can develop such love. God tell us, God's law tells us the desire to be perfect. Only God's grace is sufficient for us to carry the transformation. The law of God reveals sins. The grace of God forgives sin. The law of God indicates man's problems. The grace of God provides God's remedies. The law of God demands performance by man. The grace of God offers provision from God. The law of God is the standard. The grace of God is the means. The law of God is the spiritual measuring rod that evaluates lives. The grace of God is the nurturing resource that produces spiritual life. The law of God tells us of the character of God. The grace of God reproduces that character in us. The law of God is the effect God wants to see. The grace of God is the cause that brings forth those effects. Hebrews 10, 15, 16 said, And the Holy Spirit also testified that it is so. For he said, There is a new covenant I make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart, and I will write them on their mind. We do not obey the law in order to be safe, but because we are safe. Is it good? So I want, I want some application to you today. Whenever you read the scripture today or this week, and you come across certain passage or verses that require commandments, require action, 
Be holy as I am holy. Love the Lord thy God with all your mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And your mind says, I want to kill my neighbor, not to love them. <laughs> I know you are holy. There are people out there are not. And you read some commandments, say, God said, I want you to be perfect as I am. And you read all this thing, and I want you to remember that that, that commandment does not bring you bondage, but will remind you of a Savior has already provided a way out for you. That grace come in and said, I already fulfilled it. And all you need to do is to put your faith in me. Matthew 4.19 said this. I said to my discipleship, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fisher of men. Right? And the problem with us as a Christian, we want to be the fisher of men. No. Your responsibility is to follow Him. Your responsibility is to put your trust and your faith in Him alone. Your responsibility is to follow Him. And Jesus' responsibility is to make you. You don't make yourself. Jesus' responsibility is to make you. You follow Him and He will make you. My responsibility is to follow God and He will put His love in me. That I could love my neighbor as myself. That I can live a holy life like He is. And all I need to do is to follow Him. So anytime when you read the law or God speaks something to you and it seems that God is putting this measuring rod in your life and you say, God, man, I, I fall short of that thing. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel condemned. It's just to tell you that you need God more. That you tell you to say, I need Jesus more. Because if there's no law, there's no sin. Now it's that we become a lawless people. Thank God that you drive out this morning, there's a traffic light and a stop sign. Is it thank God? Imagine there's no traffic light and stop sign. I believe the Lord gives you the freedom. Freedom. Because God said now, I have written that law in your heart. So it's, I'm no longer obeying human law. My obeying God's law. And God's law is far superior and higher than human law. I don't cheat because the law said say so. I don't cheat because God says so. I don't lie because the law says so. I don't lie because God says so. Because one day I will stand before Him. Jesus is my measuring rod. So I want, I want you, if you go back today and you read your Bible, your scripture, you say, God, when you see yourself fell short on the what area, you say, God, I need your grace today. I need to put my faith with you. And if you have not submitted under God's kingdom law and constitution, God's way of life, God's way of governing, you need to submit to Him because God is just. God is perfect. This is our constitution. 
the law of God is in it. As the children of God, we need to put, as the Bible said, in our heart. We are no longer do it out of legalism. You know the word legalism doesn't exist in the Bible? Paul used the word legalistic instead of using the word legalistic, he said works of the law. He didn't say legal, works of the law. We don't do the works of the law. Let me finish. Let me close with this. Romans chapter 8. Some of you memorized that. Am I reading for New Living? So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And NASB said, you are set free for the law of sin and death. And God has given you the law of the Spirit. So now there's two laws operating, the law of sin and death and the law of the Spirit. And we are under the law. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in the body, God declared an end to sins, control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sin. What it means that, what it means that when you sin, you put yourself under the law. And you're going to be judged by that law. God said, I have set you free. And when you repent and come before God, God said, I have given you the law of the Spirit of Christ. That's good. Right? So the law points you to your imperfection, but the grace provides you the power to walk in freedom. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. I just felt just impression of the Holy Spirit to me. That some of you here still feel that you are imperfect. You believe in God, you know God, but you always feel that you are imperfect. You're not measured up to the standard. And because of that, you feel condemned. Even when you read the Bible, you feel condemned because you feel like you don't read more enough. When you pray, you feel condemned because you feel like you don't pray more enough. And you're consumed by that. And Jesus wants to set you free from that. With eye closed, if any one of you here say, Pastor John, that's me. I'm always live in condemnation. I'm always live in the, in the falling short of where He want me to be. I feel like I'm not measuring up to Him. Anyone in this room say, yes, I see the hand. Anyone? Yes, I see the hand. Lord, I pray for those that hand that raise up that God, that you will give them the grace to understand that you already fulfill everything on the cross. 
that our faith are not in the law, but our faith in what Christ has done on the cross. So Jesus Christ, I pray, give them that freedom. May your Holy Spirit will renew their mind and their heart. God, whenever the law reminds us of our shortcoming, your grace reminds us of what God has done on the cross. That we can put our trust in Him and Him alone. So God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for what you have done on the cross. Thank you for your awesome grace. God, I thank you even, even when Paul said that your law is good and holy. And I pray to God that we be a man and woman that love your words. That we will hide your words in our heart. That Jesus Christ, and I pray that every single thing that we read, every word that we read in our heart, that you will fulfill it by your grace and not by our own works that we will follow you we will trust you we will put our faith in you God I just thank you so much you are awesome and you are good thank you for revealing our sin so that we know that we can run to you and receive you I love you Jesus for your awesome, I pray you will bless your children even this morning, each one of them. May they go with an anointing and the power and the freedom that you gave to them. They're no longer under the bondage of sin, but the freedom of the Holy Spirit in them. And so I commit this body unto your hand this morning, God. And I ask your will be done, your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.